And we are live, episode four of the Bayou Dragons podcast. We got a couple of new faces today. Y'all have seen Matthews, if you've watched our YouTube, and uh, he kind of takes care of all that. He'll go into a little in-depth on that. And then the one on the very right, I guess maybe y'all's left, I'm dyslexic, is Joe. Joe has finally made it. The, the question we all ask, where did he come from? Where did he go? Where, where the hell he is he going? From? That's old Joe on the end, and we welcome him, and we, it's a treat to have him on. <laughs> hell yeah, Joe. <laughs> Joe's been gone for quite some time. He has. Joe works turnarounds and all kinds of bullshit, but he's here, and we're just glad. He's basically he's a great hand for grabbing beers for us while we're doing this. But uh, work cut out for you there, Joe. Yeah, he does. Um, Matt, you can kind of just introduce yourself real quick. I, they've kind of met me, Mitch, and Tanner. So figured. yeah, yeah. So you guys have probably seen me a little bit throughout on TikTok. Um, I run the YouTube. I I uh, make the edits, post the videos. Um, these guys, we all work shift work, like they touched on before. We have a hard time sometimes when we're on different shifts. Uh, getting in touch with each other and, and shooting videos and getting content together, but we spend as much time as we can um, outside of work together. So, um, but yeah, if you guys have seen us on YouTube, I, I made an intro video there, um, and you've probably seen me in some of the content on TikTok as well. Porter needs a beer. This is also my little brother, Matthew, um, in case anyone didn't know. Yeah, this if is- you can't see the family resemblance. Um, I have the better mustache, though. Uh uh, that's debatable. You'll see. Anyway. Uh, Give it a month. There's just a certain topic that I really want to hammer on this first half that it's been lingering now for almost two weeks. And I it's really been, just, it's been longer than that. Has it been? It has been. We just never touched on it. And Mitchell has a damn good story. It's not really, I mean, it's just. It is very, uh, I guess, interesting story. So, this is just completely random to this podcast. But the other day, I was coming home. Um, I was running some errands, and the place where I'm living right now, it's kind of located near a bunch of stores and a big neighborhood for the time being. Uh, that's where I'm staying. And uh, I was I was driving home, and. Um, about to pull into my driveway, and there was a car uh, crashed, rammed into my front porch. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? You know, like, well, I didn't know what the hell to think. So I whipped into my driveway, and I ran around the house, and this girl is, um, she's crashed into my front porch, and she's passed out at her steering wheel. She's... um uh, obviously on something she's on drugs or she's been drinking or whatever, but all her doors were locked and she was like convulsing almost like, um, having, I thought she was having a seizure, but, um, anyway, I started beating the shit out of the glass. I was like, Hey, are you all right? You know, just fucking beating the shit out of the glass and, uh, no response. Like she was like, like, gl- I don't know what the hell you call it. Just fucking just twitching tripping. and shit. You know, just tripping. There. And uh, I was like, shit, I got to call, you know, 911. So I called 911, and um, I was trying to be composed on the phone. I said, hey, you know, I got a girl 
she's crashing to my front porch and she's not responding to you know me beating the shit out of this glass she's unresponsive is what i told him like all right you know we'll send some units over there and i was like you need to send a damn ambulance too because she's uh fucked up you know and um anyway it wasn't like four minutes they showed up and uh they got the door open and uh got her out of there and then a couple minutes went by and she was um she perked up you know like uh, anyway came off the high came off the high so um Luckily, she didn't. Up. She didn't damage my house or anything. She just kind of rammed into like a giant. We have a bunch of uh, different plants and stuff in the front. She didn't actually hit my house, but she hit like some concrete steps and like completely rammed into all my plants. But um, anyway, they started searching her car, and uh, I was standing off to the side. I had like five police officers standing in my yard, and um, uh, one of the guys walked over to me, and he was like, "Oh." If I could just be guessing here, this woman's probably um, on some sort of narcotics, you know. I was like, yeah, you know, obviously. So I, I, she's literally, I opened my door. The car's right there. So I'm watching them search her car. They're pulling out like syringes and she's got all kinds of shit in there. I was like, man, I, I felt like, I felt bad for her. But at the same time, she almost plowed through my living room. Oh, so, dude, and you sent, yeah. me the, you sent me the pictures. She was, I mean, almost in your front door. What? was great was the snapchat mitchell's like i love getting home from the gym and he's just it's his face getting home from the gym and then this shit happens and he opens the door and there's a car three foot from his door and there's just a chick and it just oh dude oh my <laughs> tripping we're glad she's okay but also hey don't do so many drugs maybe don't but that story has uh. been the topic of discussion. So every time someone drives by, like Matt, drive by the thing goes, oh. I just want to rail that house. Dude, I almost parked my truck in his front door. Just because I could. Just because I knew from that point forward that there were no repercussions, I guess. Yeah, there is no repercussions. <laughs> you can just drive through people's houses in mid-county, I guess. No, that, that shit really surprised me, though. Like, I, I was worried about the girl when I saw her because she was, like, twitching and everything. I was you know, I thought she was going to die or something because had, had she missed my house and not rammed into my porch, she would have went into a canal. So she's lucky she hit my house yeah. and not just went straight into that canal because she was she was she was messed up. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're glad everybody's good and your house is fine. Was it a weekday? Uh, I think it was in the middle of the week, actually, like a Wednesday or something. So, yeah. oh, hell of a way to spend a Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, that's God's day. But um. Uh, Besides that, I don't think nothing nuts as someone driving through their house has uh, happened to us. But I, I don't know. I got married. That's kind of nuts. Oh yeah. I mean, you can kind of touch on that. You've been. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you need to touch on it. Well, <laughs> I know that old Matt. He's been uh, incognito from the group, kind of like Joe. But yeah, Matthew's been absent. That's it, uncharacteristic for me. Now, Joe, on the other hand, you never know with old Joe, man. He he appears, and then he's gone, and then he appears once again. It's like today he called me out of nowhere. I was very surprised that old Joe called, but uh, always happy to have Joe around. And wh what a good uh, good guy old Joe is, and I can't stress that enough. Old Joe, ever since I've known him, has been a great friend and just always a great dude. He's the wild card. 
Yeah. You never know when he's going to show up. Joe. And when he's here, you're pleased. You're you don't really have happy. to you don't have to say many words for this, but the whole catfish story I did the other day, you were the one that witnessed it. Just say if it was true or not. <clears throat> False. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I'm, I'm, uh, what catfish story are you talking about? I was talking about the, the one where it went through my foot and oh. then all the doctors again on TikTok. Oh, they got after you. Dude, I love the t- the doctors on TikTok are great. It's my well, favorite thing, sending daily reminders to Porter um, about all of the false claims he's made yeah. on the podcasts and just reminding him that, you know, there's millions of doctors out there on Facebook who don't agree. All probably have degrees all in the medical them. field. All yeah. of them PhDs and stay in your lane. Yeah. So Joe was there for when you stepped on that uh, carcass, a uh, hardhead carcass. <laughs> yes, Joe was there. We were, I'm not going to say who we're all with, but it was me, Joe, and Uncle Bo. And that's, Joe was there. He witnessed it. Joe was the one who poured the Everclear on my foot. Yeah, it was a little disappointing. <laughs> Supposed to go somewhere else. Yeah, we were actually. <laughs> that we went home. But anyway, anything else super exciting? I know that last weekend me and Rance me and Rance uh, fished a good tournament on Rayburn. Did pretty good. Fourth place overall. I wasn't uh complaining about that. Probably the best day of fishing I've had though in a very long time. Now now where did y'all catch them? I know it's kind of getting past prime time. For um for bass fishing, where did y'all did y'all fish a little deeper? It's so uh, hot now. Man, we're we're fishing those main points, main lake points. Uh, first inning, we were fishing a, you know, about eight nine foot of water, casting up, bringing it back in. The one thing that Rayburn has that Toledo Bend or a bunch of these other lakes around here, they have great grass, and it's fantastic to fish. We uh, so this tournament was really neat. It was two periods. First period was four hours, and you and your partner could weigh in each five fish, your lake limit. So you can weigh in 10, and then you had a one-hour break to weigh in, and then you went back out for four hours and tried to catch 10. We, first inning, we did weigh in 10 fish, and we're sitting like sixth or seventh place. And then second one, we went to a main lake point, and it was an island in between the point and, like, the main lake. And it was, like, hydrilla mats mm-hmm. just in about six foot of water. Love that. I just put the put the autopilot on or spot lock, and four hours we sat in the same spot and destroyed them. Dude, I will fish hydrilla. I love, love running a swim bait through hydrilla. I, I believe your mat, like, you sleep on hydrilla, don't you? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of us that fish, um, mainly fish soft plastic, right? Most of us, I would say. But the person that I know that finesses that soft plastic the best is old old Joe here on the end can finesse the shit out of some soft plastic. I don't care if it's a lizard, a Cinco, anything soft plastic. Old Joe, man, he can, he can finesse the hell out of it. Joe is the... Well, he holds also with me big bass on the uh, two moon junction, and you and him won the uh, overall tournament. Yeah, Joe and I also uh, caught the biggest trolling motor. 
That is a story. That is a story. Go we'll ahead. get there. I mean, you can either you can reiterate on that story, or we can talk about because it hasn't been live Mitchell and Joe's story. Let me tell you that it's a teaser. I might touch back on it in a minute. You want to tell it now? You can tell it now, or you can tell Mitchell and Joe's story. Oh, I can't tell that one. That one can't start be at the me. beginning. Start at the beginning. No, I'm not telling the story. That's a, Mitchell. Are you talking about the story? The, the story. That story. story is not going to be mentioned on this podcast. Oh, it on. should. On any social media it platforms. Has to, man. No, it has that, to. that story's for the archives, man. Okay, well, look, I'll, I'll tell ours. So, <clears throat> Mitchell's my older brother. Mainly friends with Porter since I've been growing up. These two guys are like brothers to me. Joe was introduced essentially as a brother to me later on. There was a year where Mitchell got hung up at work and couldn't fish the two moon. This is a tournament they fish every year. He calls me and he says, hey, man, I need you to go up there and fish for me. Uh, you and Joe are going to fish together. At the time, Joe didn't have a boat. I didn't have a boat. Had to string it together. Ended up calling a buddy, got a boat. We went out there and we went and fished it. What was it? Was it day one or day two? We lost the big motor. It was day two. We, day blew, two. we blew a fuse on day two. And we we were not close. We were far out. First off, what kind of boat were this you was, in? This was a like a probably a seventeen foot uh, center console aluminum boat with a Yamaha ninety on it. <laughs> okay, we are not well equipped. Clamp on trolling we, motor with a butterfly clamp trolling motor, <laughs> the cheapest Nencota you can buy. Very cheapest, lowest end. You can get it off the shelf at Academy. We go out, blew a fuse on the ninety. Okay, and me and Joe, I, I'm I'm not an outboard guy. I've never ran outboards. I had one, had hell with it. Not a big outboard guy. I don't know what I'm doing. I pull the cowling off, and it's like hieroglyphics. So we start trolling. Motor won't turn over. Dead as a bat. Run the trolling motor. We stripped the plastic on the, what was it, like the clamp, right? So we had uh, steel screws the butterfly clamp with like a plastic housing stripped it i go to grab the trolling motor and take off and it jumps off the front of the boat sinks all the way to the bottom we're in like 18 foot of water yeah it's the boat lane of toledo bend literally <laughs> we are we are like carolina rigging in 18 feet and no motor no trolling motor no big motor no nothing last ditch effort I was about to jump in, right, and just swim to the bottom and, and do my best. Didn't you try? I think I did. I think I jumped in after it. You submerged. I submerged after it. So I jumped in after it, couldn't catch it. It sunk too fast. I grabbed my rod that I had Carolina rigged and started just, I chunked it where I thought the motor was and sure enough caught the fucking trolling motor. First cast. Was it first? First cast? Okay. Joe remembers, man. Joe first remembers cast. better than I do. That I, I, Coda. I thought I had hell with it. I guess, I mean, first cast. Ripped the Minn Kota and drug. I mean, the rod, I, the rod was almost touching itself. It was bent over so bad. That thing was waterlogged. I pulled it all the way up. We stuck it back on the front of the boat, stuck it to the battery, and it ran. And we trolled all the way back. Trolled back. Trolled all the way back to Palagacho. And we Carolina rigged in Indian Indian flats. Yeah. And we weighed in fish and we didn't lose. 
That was what we were really pushing as for. As long as you don't get last place, lose. man. We did not want the rod of doom. That was one thing that Mitchell told me. Do not bring home the rod of doom. If, if you're going to fish my with place. my partner, you're not going to get last. Absolutely not. Wait. You know, you know who caught the fish that we weighed in? Joe. Joe Archie. Didn't. But you have got last, though. I haven't. I've only fished it once. Not you. Mitch and Joe. All right, man. You're wanting me to tell the story. I'll tell the damn story. <laughs> and it's not because I'm ashamed of the story. It's because I want people to learn from my mistakes. So this tournament that we fish every year, it's a very important we, – we've talked about it in previous podcasts. Very important tournament to, um, you know, all of us and everyone that fishes it. So – this is me and my um, me and Joe's first year fishing this tournament, and um, man, we're just trying to put together five fish. You know, we're trying to um, trying to catch catch five fish to weigh in. So I think we had like I don't know, we had like two three pounders, or two three pounders and a two or something. And Joe, man, old Joe, reared back. I was like, oh shit, man, he's got a good one. No, Joe's like, oh, I'm hung. I was like, all right, you know, I didn't think nothing of it. Well, I turned around, old Joe's, you know, he's still bowed up. Man, he sets the hook. This fish comes up to the boat. He thought he was hung up. He sets the hook on this fucking toad, man. And um, he sets the hook on it, and I see this fish, dude. It is a cod, and it just darts down. Old Joe fights this fish for a while, and I ran off, and gra- I dropped my rod and grabbed the net. He gets the fish up to the boat. I jabbed it once like I usually do. I'm not the best on the net. I will say that. Joe knows. You know, I've netted a bunch of his fish. I jabbed that fish, and then he brought it up again, and I netted him. Joe picks that fish up out of the water, and this fish is every bit of – I'm undercutting it at eight pounds. That was a, at least an eight-pound fish, Joe. We both know it. Anyway, eight-pounder, Joe. Lips him. We put him in the live well. We are pumped. We are fist-bumping, you know. We got our uh, third or fourth fish, you know, first time fishing the Two Moon Junction tournament, and we got a hog and um, a slaunch. A slaunch. And anyway, we're all pumped up, you know, and uh, we keep fishing. um, We ended up catching our five, I believe. And um, anyway, so the main point of the story, which I'm going to, um, you know, Tell everybody this just because I'm not ashamed of it. It, it just happened. And uh, anyway, so we're trolling back in a cove. You know, we're trying to catch some more fish. And um, there was a a little pontoon boat with an old couple. They were crappie fishing. And I, I'm not going to lie. I was pretty pretty cocky, man. I was I was pumped. Joe was pumped, too. Thinking you're about uh, to go back and win this thing. Yeah. This was our – I know this is my first time to bash fish since – I was probably six years old, 11 years old. <laughs> Hung into a toad. And you, and you got to understand before I tell the rest of the story, first tournament we've ever fished. You know, this is the first one. So y'all can talk all the trash you want. I'm just telling you what happened. So um, anyway, this little uh, pontoon boat comes up to us, and um, we get to talking to them. You know, they're they're nice people. They're friendly. And, uh, you, know, like, you know, hey, y'all doing any good? Y'all catching some fish? Uh, yeah, we're fishing a tournament. And this is this. What happened is my fault entirely. I turned to Joe and I said, "Joe, show him that that big one you caught. Show him the hog. Show him the hog." And uh, Joe opens that live well. I'm not kidding, man. That fish. Joe went down to grab that fish, and that 
eight-pound hog just leaps out of that live well. Out of the live well, it jumps out, out of the live well, into the lake. Just like that. Mm. During a tournament, and, um, you know, it was a learning experience for both me and Joe. You know, when someone comes up to you in a tournament, and they all get, no, we ain't caught shit. That's what you tell them. You ain't caught a damn thing. But me and Joe, we were proud of that fish, and we were excited, and we wanted to show it off. And we opened the live well, and it jumped back into the lake. And since then, you know, we, we've we definitely learned from it, and we'll never do anything like that again. How, but how many years ago was that? Oh, that was a long time ago. That was 2000, like, I don't know, 11, 12? Uh, you were still in high school. Yeah, we are yeah, still yeah, in high school. Uh, many years ago. You've Ten. learned a lot since. Well, and what's great about that whole story is, like, that happened. You know, you feel bad for him, but then also it's like, well, you know, shit happens. Yeah. But five years later, that wasn't even – y'all didn't even lose that year. You just lost what potentially could have been the big bass. It would have been lost. the big bass. We lost. That was the rod of doom year. Yeah, that was the rod of doom year. Do, I think it was our first – very first year. Do you remember big what bass. big bass was that year? Six pounds. Yeah, it was only like six pounds. Oh, y'all would have had it. I thought y'all got the rod of doom and then handed it over and won. No, it was several uh, years after. Okay. It was the first well, year that we lost. I got last place, lost the big fish, and then a couple of years went by, and then we won. Well, it's kind of a – it's in rotation now that if you get the rod of doom, you get in the top four places, and they ended up winning it. And it was great because they were sitting in the middle of the lake we text them, and it's like five minutes before weigh-in. It's like, hey, man, y'all got anything or whatever? And Joe just, nah, dude, we ain't got shit. We ain't got shit. He learned. He learned. They pull up jamming fucking co-wetzel or something like that, and they pull out there like four, and then Joe just, this hammer. It was like, of course. Of course I, they did. I, I guarantee you, when you win the Rod of Doom, when you lose the Rod of Doom, right? Because you don't win it. You win it from losing. That's got to light a fire under your ass. Well, yeah. now it's not even not that's not even the rod of doom anymore. It's actually pretty cool though the the plaque of doom, I guess. The plaque of doom. The plaque I, of doom. I, I, if I ever sub in, I do not want my name on that. My grandfather holds the first ever plaque of doom award, and he was the one who started this originally yeah, forty something years ago. He's a native. He is a native. Knows the lake better than probably anybody. Yeah, he's anybody that fishes that tournament. Yeah, besides maybe Mark Porter. Yeah. I would say I definitely prefer – I know Rayburn has a really good bass fishing, and you can catch a lot of good bass on Rayburn, but I prefer fishing Toledo just because there's not all that water recreation going on. There, it's not as crowded, and you're going to you're gonna catch fish. There's some really good fishing on Toledo. And what I have seen or heard throughout the years, and I just laugh – the. There's people that are diehard Rayburn, and there's, like, people that are diehard Toledo. But the what I've seen is people that fish Rayburn and catch fish in Rayburn, like, dude, there ain't no fish on Toledo. Can't catch a fish on Toledo. But everybody I know that fishes Toledo is like, dude, it's so easy to catch fish on Rayburn. Yeah. Y'all have grass. Y'all have this. You have that. You have a lot of bait. I feel like uh, Rayburn is more of a, like, a universal place to fish. You have more dynamic environments, I feel like. Well, it's been raided in the top ten 
20 times in the last 30 years or 40 years, you know, you know, like on Toledo, you can, you can fish a lot of the same structure throughout the entire lake. I feel like on Rayburn, you can shoot across the lake and be in an entirely different environment. Well, there's the grass. They killed off all the grass on Toledo with all that chemical they sprayed. Yeah. It's a barren wasteland. Messed up a bunch of our good spots, but I know it's coming back. I know people though, that fish tournaments on Rayburn, like, dude, I can't ever catch a fish on Toledo. It's like, you just got to learn how to fish some mud. Yeah. Was it the, how many times had you been out on Rayburn Porter when you took uh, me and Luke out in a high school fishing tournament? <laughs> I don't know, but that just reminded me of that time, that one ounce. Oh, the tungsten. The tungsten. Oof. That Matthew hung up on a good fit. I so right out of high school, I was a captain for Matthew and another dude named Luke Leach. I hope he sees this. I do. It'll bring back a really bad memory for him. And I hope he laughs about it too. They were I told Matthew fish soft plastic, they're gonna bite. And Matthew was catching some fish with soft plastic, but he was swapping between like Carolina rig, wacky worm. Well, no, Texas I was rig. I was I was punching grass mass with that one ounce. No, I know, but drop, drop I'm saying you stayed. There. Luke was swapping baits every five casts, wasn't catching shit. And I remember you threw on a one-ounce tungsten, and he flips it up into a giant lily pad mat, and then probably about a three- or four-pounder smashes it, hooks it, comes out, it jumps. When Matt, all that tension, it popped out, and that one-ounce tungsten smashed Luke right in the middle of the forehead. Right in the forehead. (laughs) Dude, I'm talking, I'm in the front of the boat, and it just sounds like, pow. Like, I thought he broke his skull. Dude, I th- I really thought now this uh, Luke's grown since then. We were in high school. This was a little guy I thought was gonna rip my head off. I really thought he was gonna kill me. He was so mad. Well, yeah, you smashed him in the head in the freaking all of dome. That, all with of that the anger, all that pain. He looked at me, and I saw the devil in his eyes. Oh, dude, it I looked, thought he was gonna rip my head off, dude. And it swole up like a Copenhagen can. Dude, just. it was huge. We went back to the weigh-in, and people were like, every time he walked by, and people were doing this. <laughs> just looking at him. Oh, looking bro. At him. He tried to put his ball cap on. He had to. He had to pull the buttons off. He had to pull the buttons off and adjust it. <laughs> Two sizes bigger. I felt so bad, but also I laughed my ass off because that's not the first. That was probably the second best time ever. The best time anyone's ever got hit in the face I've seen and not been totally injured was Keaton had a damn eight-inch pop R one time. A chug bug, and she was fishing. A bass went up, swirled it, hit it, and when she set the hook, it flew and hit Paul right in the chin, mm. and it stuck. Barb just deep in his chin, and he just cut the line. <laughs> and we're driving back to the uh, the house so we could like rip it out. And there's just an eight inch bait swinging from his chin, just smashing his neck. Just, I was like, Jesus Christ! What a time. But the tungsten, I would have been upset about the tungsten. Yeah, that I know that hurt. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I would. I, I mean, it was coming at it like an MLB pitcher threw it. It was coming with but, some heat. It had to have been. I mean, it was moving. Yeah. I wish. I wish I I knew what I could reference the speed to. It, Billy, was, all, it was like a fastball to the face. It was like two thousand like eight Billy Wagner <laughs> throwing a hundred and two miles per hour just. Dude, I'm surprised he didn't like, like, crack his face or something. 
I don't know, but it was it was bad. I know we talked about on the last the last deal uh, last uh, podcast. What was the worst pain you ever had? I guarantee Luke would say a one ounce oh, tungsten would. coming in at two hundred miles per hour to my forehead. Oh, that that would definitely be up there for him. I don't know that I've ever experienced something like that. No, he built character that day. He gained a lot of character. I got to take these pit vipers off. No, you don't. Future just got a little darker. Leave them on. Um, dude, so reading some of these comments, I know we're not supposed to read comments of haters, but some of them always get me when they're like, these are just a bunch of dudes that don't know what they're doing. Don't hunt. They don't fish. They don't do this. And that's probably how they sound. Like the way you're talking yeah. right now, that's probably how they talk. Yeah. They don't, they're a bunch of wannabe rednecks. They want to, uh, and it's like, hey, first off, fuck off. But... It's funny that, like, Joe, like, brings up, he's like, dude, like, the people that hate <laughs> so many beers right now, Joe, Joe's like, man, like, if they just literally knew, like, and I'm not saying, like, everyday life, but, like, I remember, like, bring back to high school, me and Joe, just on a normal weekend, I remember we went out, we went duck hunting with Carter, shot our limit of whatever the hell. Thank you, Joe, for that Miller light. And uh, shot a limit of ducks, went out, caught a bunch of trout, red, uh, some redfish. Then he's like, man, let's go out to the lease. And I believe it was the last year of that lease you were on in Hancomer, right, Joe? That's a fact. That is a fact. And, uh, like, we get out there that afternoon, already been duck hunting, fishing. We just take the ducks we had in the bed of the truck, you know, Breast them out, cook them on open fire, no seasoning, nothing, just eat it. L- sleep out at the deer lease, wake up the next day. And I remember Joe put me in one of his stands, and he's in another one. He's like, and we're staying out there all weekend. All we had was, like, water and beer. So whatever we killed, we were just going to eat. And Joe's, like, staring at this pig, just like, oh, we're about to have some pork, baby. And he's, I just remember him telling me, he's like, He's about to shoot this pig. He gets a text message. Are spikes allowed from me? And as soon as he said yes, he's like, it wasn't seconds. Doosh. Dropped this damn spike. Joe came and picked me up in like a 1992 uh, Wrangler Blue four-wheeler. Some piece of junk, but it got the job done. It's, I don't know, dude. Like, I... I have a hard time with that too. I read the comments, I look at the profiles, and I'm like, man, like, dude, if if you guys spent a day with us, you'd be hooked. We have so much fun, and this is this is not what we do full time. This is like just our everyday lives. Like when we started this thing, nothing changed. We had we had this this new brand. We were like wanting to do something new, but it was nothing new to us. It was just documenting what we already do. I mean. It's just, it's just like kind of sad too. Sometimes when people are like, "Oh, you know, you guys are this and that." Like, dude, like y'all, y'all don't know us. You know what we show you, and that's essentially just what we do on our off time. But it's like, it, well, what they see is, yeah, you would love it. I mean, really, really and truly, spend a day with us, you'd have a blast. You have the best day of your life. You can't, you can't really. Um, people are gonna talk shit, man. Anything you do, any industry you want to get into, you know, if you have good. Um, exposure, people are going to shit talk. That's just what people do. But you can't 
I mean, you can't let it bother you. It just no, is no. what it is. Definitely I mean, not. people, it's 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 in their nature, man. They're gonna talk shit. And well, I welcome it, and I enjoy it, and, you know, I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny sometimes to go and read through there, and it, it just gives you a laugh. I mean, uh, it's, like, some of it's outlandish. They're like, oh, you know, like, just just saying stuff that people have no business saying, not knowing you, you know. Talking about going back on the, the hunting thing, I just, I think this podcast is basically just for, thank you, I'm going to have to take a tip of that, but, um. I really think it's just for us, just to literally whatever's on our mind or what we've thought about, and uh, we just talk about it. And what I know in the last podcast behind us, we had this axis, a big axis that I'd shot many a year ago. And the story behind that, to me, is probably the most memorable deer hunting story I've ever had. And my uncle used to guide down in South Texas, old Mark Porter, which we're going to have him on the podcast, hopefully, uh, pretty soon. And uh, we just went down to shoot cold bucks and kind of guiding for some rich dudes down there. And uh, I remember this big just group of axes run out, and they're like, he's like, oh, take one. Take whichever one you want. I'm like, okay. So I just pick up the – choose the gnarliest-looking one, shoot – I miss because we're probably I'm shaking like a leaf, bro. And we're probably 300 out. I'd totally whiff it. I'm not afraid to, you know, some people I've never missed them. Oh, I've missed them. That's a, that's another good story. Yeah. So missed. And I was like, shit, we go down there. We're looking for, you know, blood trail, whatever. And we literally look about 60 yards to our left up in the mesquite brush. There he is, just standing there, just glorious. Mark's like, shoulder it. Mark stands there. I throw a seven mag on his shoulder, right through the neck. His antlers hit first. It was like antlers, chest, ass. And we're just pumped. I'm talking just. We're sitting there, and my grandfather is like, call Mimi, call Mimi. And I can't, I can't talk. I'm nervous as hell. He can't talk because he's out of breath. So Mark calls Evelyn. <laughs> he calls Evelyn, and he's like, Mimi, we just shot a big old axis. He's like, it's 30-plus main beam. And that thing just sits up, just looks straight at all of us and just jumps up and almost spears Mark right through the chest. He just matrixed right out of the way. And it ran for like a quarter mile. We just sat there and tracked it. Finally got to him, you know, finished yeah, him. But the, the last throws of a deer. As I, I had a similar experience with my uh, oldest brother, Luke. I laid out an 11 point. I thought it was an 8 point. It was right at dusk. I shot the deer right in the shoulder, <clears throat> turned and came straight towards us. Laid out right in front of the blind. We waited about 10, 15 minutes. And just as we were getting out of the blind, I, I mean, had it been a minute before, we'd have been on the ground with a deer that got up looking for somewhere to go. And uh, mm. I'm glad we took our time getting down because this thing got up with some with some fury. Uh, Could have been a bad deal. But, J- hey, on the topic of missed opportunities, Mitchell's going to hate me for this one. I mean, I was probably... This is, this is another story he didn't want to get told. We're in Lano deer hunting whitetail, 
you this is a side of Mitchell y'all don't see. He's a he's an impatient guy. He likes to get it done right now. <laughs> Porter, can you attest to that? Yes. We're he's in the blind with my dad. I'm like a quarter mile away in the blind with my oldest brother. <clears throat> and um I think it was early early morning, morning hunt. Yeah, I can tell the story if you'd like. I mean, there's not much to the story. There was a nice deer that presented himself. I missed the shot. That was that. I mean, there's not much okay, to the story. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm going to add some sauce to it and let him know what was really going on. Mitchell missed the shot. He wanted to shoot early. Didn't know. And in his defense, you know, it was the deer could have come and gone. Also, it was very young age at this time. As oh, well. yeah. you. I, I mean, I was like 12 years old. So you, you had to have been like 14, 15. Probably 14. <laughs> so... Days go by. He hunts the blind, wanting to see this deer again. Just just praying that this deer comes back out. The last day that we're there, we got to travel back home. It's about a five or six hour drive for us. Mitchell leaves the blind. He says, screw it. I'm going to go hunt this other blind. We swap. He comes and sits in the blind with me. My oldest brother goes and sits in the blind with my dad. And sure enough, we're sitting in the blind, and here comes that whitetail. Big buck. My dad is on the lookout. Now, we have another brother. He's a little bit. He's not as much outdoorsy as we are, I'd say. He's that was I think a, something new for him at the time. He hadn't been exposed to that much outdoor stuff right. at that age. So sitting in the blind, you know, he's kind of on his phone. And my dad says, he grabs him. He says, "Big buck, big buck, big buck." My, my yeah, yeah, big buck. My brother looks out the window of the box blind we're sit, they're sitting in. He looks at this deer and he had his head down. Then he looks right back down at his phone. My dad grabbed him. He looked him in the eye and he said, get your gun. <laughs> and my brother looked back up and right at the time he did that, that deer picked his head up. And it was the most beautiful, perfectly symmetrical eight point. I mean, big, tall. I don't know what he measured out. 21 at. inch spread. 21 wide. Big, long, natural times. deer. Just low fence. Natural. Beautiful. Free range. He raised up, he shot him, he dropped. The deer ran off. He, sh- he shoulder shot him. And, um, I think he ended up uh, coming through. I, I don't know if he hit hard or long, but he he busted that front shoulder. And so as the buck's running off, he trips up and falls. And we get over there. They waited it out a little bit. They called us. We met up with him. And uh, my oldest brother, Luke, he's, he said, uh, he said, man, I don't know if I hit him or not. Uh, but as he was running away, I saw him fall down. I said, man, whitetail don't just fall down. They don't trip and fall in their natural environment. They're... They are experts at navigating their environment. And sure enough, another 30 yards, and he was flipped over on his side. And I walked up to him on his on his left front shoulder, and I picked up his leg, and it just folded over. Blasted him right on Blasted him. I mean, just put it right where it needed to be. There's So I know we've all been deer hunting all our lives. That was probably that was the first kind of hunting that I was introduced to. Ten years old, shot my first deer. But, like, you don't understand the excitement at the time that a young kid does. Like, that's why I'm ready. One of these days when I do have a kid and I take them hunting, they shoot their first deer. It's like, I'm ready to see that excitement. I got to see a taste of that when I, with uh, Josh Winslow, when we did that Texas Youth Hunting Program deal. And we took, you take a bunch of kids that have never shot anything or, you know, they know a little, they know the gun how to shoot a gun and they know gun safety but they're young you know they never shot anything living and that is probably one of the most excited I, I was more excited for the kid that I took he was 
and he was older. I mean, but he's like 15 years old. And when he shot his deer, he was just, I'm talking shit in his pants. His dad was in the blind too. So they're like high five and chest bumping. So pumped up. And it wasn't, I, I wasn't touching the gun. Super excited. But like Josh took this little girl, she was 10 years old. And he said it was like, he was like, he gave her the green light. It wasn't seconds, just dropped it. And she just, wow. That's what it's all about. How did yeah. that go again? Like the the excitement that children have in the natural outdoors, like that shooting something, is just I cannot wait to that's, share it with my own kids. That's something that was never taught either, you know. Like you you go into that not knowing what you're going to experience, and it just takes over you. Yeah, it's like I, it's a feeling for the first time you've never experienced, like that first kiss. Okay. Like you just, uh, get, yeah. oh, whoa. Get you just yeah. get that no. pain that you can never get it again. No, no, no. Oh, okay. But make me the bad guy. Yeah, but <laughs> like I just, what it, was your? Well, how did you feel when you shot your first white tail? Oh man, can like you I, that? I, well, I couldn't talk. I mean, I was ten, so I barely could talk anyway. I can't read <laughs> for sure. I'm damn near dumb. But uh, my dad just told me he's like, oh, that's a good eight point, and I just automatically shot first deer ever I actually hit and you know dropped right there I was like and he said I don't remember it I'm too young but he's like you just literally just went dumb just never said shit just excited get down there he taught me how to field dress a deer you know all that stuff and it was real special moment but I think it'll be more special whenever you can share it with someone else No doubt about that. No doubt about that at all. So when you feel dress a deer, you know, you gut the deer. If you're just on private property, you know, doing your own thing, there's two, from gutting a deer, there's two cuts of meat, from what I understand, the t- the tenderloins. Yes. Yeah. Inside. So there's two small cuts of meat, the tenderloins. That's really the only pieces of meat you get from gutting the deer, correct? Yeah, I mean, because you can quarter it out and take back strap and do all that shit without ever gutting it. But it's just how I was taught. And that, going back to me and Joe's story, like Joe, when he showed up, I already had the deer flipped over and gutted out, just guts laying out in the the, uh, pipeline rack. And he's like, dude, we could have hung it up and gutted it out right there. I was like, no, dude. Like every deer I've ever shot, I just automatically just – lay it open, cut open, and go straight for them tenderloins. Well, the last deer I shot was like two years ago, and it had been years since I had shot a deer. And I shot this deer. I was all pumped up, and I was, you know, I was uh, field dressing, and I freaking cut into that shit sack, man. Oof. <laughs> you know? And uh, uh, it had just been a while. <laughs> it had been Joe a while knows. since I've gutted a deer, and I was pumped up, you know, and I slit right into that shit sack and uh we all knew it dude joe tell you already know i don't even have to say it what's the worst smelling thing we have ever encountered havies that damn javelina so <laughs> hunting down in the king ranch whenever you shoot javelina you know you have to clean them out like you can't just a lot of people shoot them leave them whatever but we're cleaning it out and me and joe never cleaned a javelina we're just doing it normal Cleaning it like a pig. First time to shoot a javelina. First time to see one, honestly. Yeah. Dude, we'd start cutting into that mother... And 
I sliced through the back, and I hit that damn little stink sack, and the brightest green ooze just goes right on me and Joe, <laughs> and we are both just gagging. I was like, what is that? It was like the musk sack oh. or whatever. They have, like, glands on them? Yeah, they, and doubtly, when they get nervous, like a skunk, they'll raise the hair up on their back and, like, excrete some had kind a little of smell. Pre- had a little pressure on it. It oh, sprayed dude. out at you. Oh, my God, dude. This is news to me. I never knew. I've never shot a half of Well, have you ever shot one and no, cleaned it? No, well, man, have. Joe have. <laughs> and it was so gross. Like, I've cleaned pigs. I've cleaned gators. I've done that javelina was definitely, if you hit the wrong spot of that javelina, mm. it smells like that. It's indescribable. It's indescribable. It yeah, is it, disgusting. I, I know I know when, I'm, when I've been gutting a deer and I've, I've popped one, you know, it's real cold. You get in there, that deer's real warm. It was almost, there's there times where it was like almost like, it's like a skunk or something, you know, where it, it smells so bad, but it's kind of got like a nostalgic thing to it. I love the where smell. It's not, where it's not like, eh, it's not like, Ugh. you know, it was that javelina, there's no turn in that. No, dude, it is a distinct odor. And the odor is just pungent, Oof. a very pungent smell. Green, and I'm talking like lime green. I don't know what it was. I'm probably going to get heat from this. They'll be like, oh, no, that was. Get it. Get the heat. Yeah, it was gross. And I was like, wow, I don't ever want to. I haven't shot one since then. Since we had a clean one, I've never had a, I've never shot another one. I don't care. And I wish over the years, I, I kind of transitioned out of uh like upland game and like whitetail hunting out. I, I really like to get back into that. Well, we we were on a lease, a deer, good deer lease in Lano, Texas, but we ended up getting off that one. And we really haven't done a whole lot of deer hunting since, but we well, used to be pretty hard at it, me and Matthew. Yeah. yeah, we were at it, dude. I know that you and I both slayed some pigs. We between, between the lease and, and out on the property in Hampshire? Well, that property in Lano, I remember – one one evening, me and Matt were hunting, and I had a lever action three hundred eight, and Matt had a two twenty three, I believe. Yeah, it was a, it was AR fifteen. We we laid out, I don't know how many pigs. I think it was like six or seven one night, just that came up to the feeder. But I remember one night out there, it was oh, so man. cool. They had a diverse um, population of animals out there. One night, I laid a bunch of steak fat out um, right outside the cabin, and a gray fox came up. It was late at night. I was just gonna see what came up to eat whatever I put out. And uh, a gray fox came up to eat my steak fat, and I popped him with my 12-gauge, and he's mounted. I got him mounted, too. Sitting, sitting right up over the uh, Right over the, yeah, the, over the mantle. Beautiful gray uh, mm-hmm. fox. I popped him as he was eating my leftover steak. That was a, that's probably, honestly, that's probably one of the best meals any animal's ever had. At the last, like, supper. His last like, supper. His last supper is ribeye fat. It was so cool to get up in an environment like that where you could have, like, around here we think about, like, pigs run everything off. Pigs come in, they root up all your stuff, they root your shit up, um, they kind of clear it out. They're a big nuisance to us. Up there, it was a little bit different. Like, you could have pigs sitting at your feeder, and turkeys would come and run them off. It was like, the, <laughs> it was a, like... You'd have a you'd have like fifteen pigs up at the feeder, and you'd have ten turkeys come in just making noise. Yeah, there was a and bunch run of them turkey. off. They'd run the whitetail off. They'd run the pigs off. What people don't know down here, I think, what runs off a lot of old doesn't even run them off, just eats the corn before your whitetail do is wood ducks. 
anyone that has any kind of like southeast Texas land, usually it's kind of flooded, and you'll have a feeder go off, and then you have fifty wood ducks just start eating the shit out of that Dude, corn. How about the sound? That just reminded me. How about the sound when you get buzzed by like sixty teal? Well, don't that can't. Comp- there's no way wood ducks can compare to that. They don't fly in numbers that big. Well, you and uh, you and Tanner had a good flock of teal this year. And you know what happened? Y'all pooched. I didn't pooch. I, I pooched. I did for sure. I was. Um, I was. It's a funny story. The week before uh, we were hunting, and Mitchell dropped a box of shells that I had in my bag in the marsh. And you know what that salt water does to your shells? They rust. <laughs> And so I, I loaded them up the following weekend because I'm not going to waste shotgun shells. And uh, two out of three of my shells clicked. And who do, who, who do I have the blame for that? You. Just yeah. me, probably. You, but you probably shouldn't have shot have brought some fresh But anyways, it, and it, it just so happened it was on this, just probably the biggest group of teal I've ever had come in and, and actually do it. They, they, were, they were dragging. They were dragging webbed feet across the water. And what's even the reason we could believe them is because we had GoPro footage of 60 teal float oh, and Tanner, in, Tanner. and you just hear, click, 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 click. And Tanner click. shot Tanner shot really well. Out of uh, on three shots, Tanner shot four birds, I think, and I shot one on my one shot. Now, I do want to get into this. We have, um, out of our group, there's, you know, four or five of us that are pretty close and hunt together. So our buddy Tanner has a pretty good retriever by the name of Tex. Buddy Nathan's got fairly, I wouldn't say fairly decent. He's still in his early stages by the name of Jax. Great dog. He's he's a good retriever. Now Matthew just got one. Um, he's going to be training. Matthew, what did you name that dog? You want the full name? The well, I want the name. The name. Oh, oh, I had some good ideas at first. I, I didn't end up going with them, but the first one I came up with was uh, courtesy of White Goodman on Dodgeball. Fran Stelanoskovich Davidovichki. But I did not go with that one. I went with, uh, I named her Marsha. Her name on AKC registry is Bayou Dragons Marshmaster. I, I definitely would have gone with the first one, but I do. <laughs> Can we get a good pronunciation of that first one once, once again? For me? Yes. Ran Stelanoskovich Davidovichki. <laughs> if no one's ever seen Dodgeball, that is probably in the top five best quotable movies of all time, and I would definitely recommend that you watch it. Oh, it's great. We love our movies, too. We quote a lot of movies. Quote a lot of movies, man. Between, like, all Jim Carrey, Adam Sandler, like Happy Gilmore, Ace Ventura, or something like that, it's... Just the early thousands of movies, man. There's just a lot of nostalgia there. We, it it kind of translates over to like how how goofy we are out in the marsh. Oh, it, one day we honestly need to have a podcast while we're out in the marsh. In the sh- well, we'd have to cut out half of it. Yeah, it's very, sh- it gets vulgar out there sometimes. I I brought that home one time, and I told my mom. Well, I, I made the mistake of using a very large amount of profanity right to my mom. It just, I was upset. I was heated. We ran into some guys out there and had some problems, and Mitchell asked me about it. I was telling the story, and I got really carried away, and I actually said out loud what I said to those guys out there right in front of my mom. Had a bad case of marsh mouth. Marsh mouth is what we call that. Yeah, and, and if, uh, I, I regret that to this day. My mom's an angel. She didn't deserve to hear that. No, that 
Mitchell and Matt's mom is such a saint. I remember growing up, and every Sunday morning, it's like we'd wake, like she would wake us up, and she's like, "Come on, children, time to do church." And we'd do church in the living room, and she church pull- in the living room after some good breakfast tacos. Oh yeah, yeah dude. I, tr- had, <laughs> I had friends over one time, and I had a, a like four or five friends over. She walked into the living room. And uh, we were all still up. She brought out a bar stool and her guitar and sang Seven Spanish Angels to put us to sleep. My favorite story, though, of y'all's parents, and I <laughs> wish Jordan Johnson was here <laughs> to tell this story, but Travo, so Travo's renowned in Southeast Texas, but he, uh, one time he thought he was giving Matthew a nice kiss on the forehead, tell him good night. He kissed Jordan right on the forehead. Good night, buddy. And Jordan was just like froze. <laughs> when he told me that, I was like, oh, my God. Good times, man. Old Jordan. That dude turned into a, quite a hog himself, featured in quite a few of our videos recently. Yeah, he got posted on our Instagram today. I'll tell you what, man. Jordan is a really good dude. No, he's I, not uh, that great. I enjoy him, man. He's okay. Yeah, hey, whatever. But done the dude since I was a kid. We got so many good people around us, man. Like – I, I can't stress that enough when we're, like, making videos and, and, and talking about what we do. Dude, like, you guys are just the greatest. And, I mean, like, I'm not going to say myself included. Does one of y'all want to say me? But, anyways, we have, like, such a great group of friends, man. Like, we were able to just do, like, whatever, you know. And when we're spending time together, it's not ever – I don't know. There's There's never any, like, pressure on us, like – we can grab we can grab people we haven't seen in years and go out and have a blast. Well, I mean, yesterday was our my first true Bayou sandbar. Well, Wednesday I guess wasn't a sandbar Sunday, but I had a blast out there. Smashed a couple Miller lattes and drove around on the boat. The jet ski, old RJ brought his jet ski. Dude, I haven't cranked my boat my mud motor since duck season, and I went out there. I wasn't even really expecting. I, I thought it was gonna be hard to you know get going, but first crank she uh, she cranked right up. First that's pull, that, that's that go devil reliability. She's ready. Go devil reliability, man, and I will I hundred percent stand behind go devil service drive mud motors. They are probably the most reliable, not the fastest, but the most reliable mud motor on the market today, in my opinion. In Mitchell's opinion, I, mean, I, I have to agree too. I, I've been in the oldest must beat go devils and they still run like a top i've not had the first issue i've had that i don't know how long i've had that motor now several years now and i have not had one issue with it porter i saw a video the other day uh someone sent to me of you jumping out of a boat jumping out of a bass boat yeah that was taylor's that was my bass boat i just thought wow this would be a good idea there's six (laughs) of us on the boat and i just i look over at bryce Old Bryce Bodewine, I go, hey, in like 10 seconds, I'm jumping out of the boat. He's like, he's like, no, nah, PMA, don't do that. We're going like 45, 50. And I was like, I'm doing it. Every bit of it. And I'm just driving. It looked faster in the video, honestly. Well, the video makes it look like you're going 1,000. But I just, just I had a, uh, had them videoing, and no one knew what was happening. I just jump out he jumped over and grabbed the wheel probably not you, the smartest you idea. literally you had you were in the gunner seat you were driving yes i was driving and it was not but from the time that you went to driving to the time you were in the water was like two seconds 
yeah, I don't recommend it. We've not done the smartest things, uh, so don't do that. Yeah, don't listen. We don't recommend or advocate for any of the things that we do. We just hope you guys get enjoyment from watching us do it. Don't do that. That's a good way to put it, the way you just said it, because I don't know how to say it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know big words. Yeah, don't do not do things that you see us do, please. But we just hope you all enjoy them for sure. Yeah, we ju- we're just here for, for y'all's enjoyment. We're going to document the things that we do, even if they're stupid. I I just know I'm ready I today I was I messaged a a friend of mine from North Texas. I was like, I just hope you're ready for duck season as much as we are. We yeah. have big trips coming. Yeah, man. I I will say there was like a year, like two years ago. I think it was two years ago. I was like, I was kind of burnt, man. I I had a job that allowed me to hunt just every single day of duck season. I could cancel jobs. I could say, hey, I'm not working, and I hunted every single day. The following year. I just wasn't that happy about it. I wasn't all ate up with it like I was. I went about a year where I just hunted. I, I maybe hunted a handful of times that season. Well, you were, for several years, you were very diehard. I yeah, mean, no, I was I was, I was, was in there. And out here, you have to be that way to be able to hunt good areas publicly. You have to be diehard. Yeah. yeah. You have to put I, in the work. I guess, I don't know. I, I guess I just kind of got burnt out. There was that, that year where I just kind of took it off. And then a uh, very good friend of mine, a coworker also, his name's Dustin. That following season that I, I didn't do much hunting, the following year we, you know, we're sitting at work together for 12 hours a day. And he's like, dude, I can't, he's counting down the days. He's got it down to the hour that duck season's going to hit. And it freaking lit a fire under my butt. And I've been at it ever since. Hello, Joe. But anyway, you want to wrap it up? Yeah, we can go ahead and wrap it up. I just, we're going to run out of video time. Yeah. yeah that's cool. Um. Anyways, yeah, but we're back at it. We got some exciting things coming. I'm, I'm really excited for this duck season to take some more trips and get to spend some more time in the blind with you guys. Got some really good trips planned for this year. I've already had a great year doing some really cool stuff, and we got some, you know, pretty exciting things planned for towards the end of the year in duck season. I'm pumped up. Yep. And ready to roll, man. We've met a we've met through social media a bunch of cool people that are willing to, you know, share their experience with us, like different people from Arkansas or Nebraska or like we've had people from Canada reach out and it's like, Hell yeah, dude. I'm not afraid, I'll drive. And it's it's cool too because we've hunted Arkansas. I, I can't say I've hunted Canada, but like it's it's different getting to go with, with people that are just you know, the same way we are, and that's their native land. They get to share their experience like we would share ours with them. I just like hunting different terrain, changing it up, because down here it's the same old, same old. Yeah. I mean, I love it, don't get me wrong, but, I mean, it's a lot, a lot more, um, you know, you shoot a lot more birds up north. Yeah. Yeah, it's demanding in a different way down here. It'll be an experience. I'm glad that I'm going to be on y'all's first ever dry field goose hunt this year, and it's going to be we're going to smack them. Yeah, we got Matthew, the um, potential uh, mouth caller here. Heard a little sample of that earlier. Pretty oh. impressed. Well, I just, it was a newly discovered talent. But anyway, uh, we're going to probably wrap it up for this episode. Uh, once again, we appreciate all the support and what a treat it was to have uh, Cotton Eye Joe on this episode. Man, a few words, but uh, 
great fella, good friend of ours, and a Bayou Dragon. Absolutely. Through and through. All right, guys. We appreciate y'all tuning in the TikTok Live. We appreciate it, and we're going to keep trying to put out good content.